Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And we just have one thing to say. Yas! <laughs> yas. <laughs> so my, much yas. My yas is a lot less enthusiastic. Yas. <laughs> Everyone's yas is very important. I think it's just like reflective of your soul mm, a little bit. A little bit. Not that I'm not enthusiastic, but I'm just a little like yas. <laughs> I would imagine that's how like a cat would say a yas. Yes. I'm pretty sure my cat does that, actually. If you could please get that, an audio of that, I would pay a very small sum of money. <laughs> it could be like your your message notification. Yes. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> How you doing, Tamika? I'm living the dream. I can't. I, I'm living the dream. Is there anything more pretentious? Is there anything more heinous? And so, I don't, have you ever met anyone who actually meant that when they said, live in the dream? I don't like those people. I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Because speaking of yes, and speaking about people that we do like, what are we doing today? <laughs> Way to turn that around. Way, Way to, to turn, turn that around. <laughs> yeah, so today... We have a special guest. We do. We're so excited. Mix it up. Mm-hmm. Because it's no secret that drag slang has infiltrated the English language from mm-hmm. yes queen to a tongue pop. I would do that, but I'm afraid of what it might do to the speakers. Mm. It's like infiltrated the mainstream media thanks in part to the explosion of RuPaul's Drag Race. And there have been long standing queens before him or her. But today we just kind of want to take it beyond the tux and glitter. Yes. What's your first drag experience, Mika? Uh, you know, I think probably in theater, I think in general, I think that's why to me, it's such a beautiful art form because earlier on, it, it's not uncommon, even in a comedic way, you first you see it and mm. of where it could be even just done, you know, doing improv comedy, things of that nature. You, you go for the humor and then you start learning about the history of the long standing of what it has been. And then the more I started getting to social justice, the more I started learning about the drag and also the trans community and things of that nature. And so it was just been like, it's kind of this ongoing process in my life. And I remember being 18 and being snuck into like a bar for a drag show and being actually being able to see it in all of its glory. And it's a hardworking people. <laughs> drag mm-hmm. is not easy i have i mean it's hard being a woman i can't imagine having to be like the illusion of femininity i mean that in itself is that's work but <laughs> yeah <laughs> what For has real. been your experience mm, i guess similar i hadn't really thought about that as drag even though i guess it is within theater and what have you and i've definitely played a lot of male or gender ambiguous sort of characters. I've actually played an intentionally gender ambiguous character a couple of times that were supposed to be, you know, somewhere in between and where I'm like, you know, stuffing my shorts and and these things. (laughs) So so I guess I have that experience, but I hadn't really thought about that as drag. So Mm. interesting. Thanks for that. But I guess my first drag show that I really remember clearly going to was in Japan, actually. And some of my coworkers, female coworkers, straight women, took me to this drag show, which I was like, in our tiny town, there's a drag show? Really? Yes. I, of course I want to go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> let's go. And so we did. And it was just 
you know, so much fun. And I'm thinking a lot about what you're saying, like, but within another culture where it's even harder to be LGBTQIA plus to think about that show happening there, you know, in the early 2000s. And to think about all the things those queens were going through is a really interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited today. Yes. We'll get to hear it straight, straight from the queen's mouth (laughs) from our our guest today. Mm -hmm. It is not a secret that we love when we have company over. I know, got to be on our best (laughs) behavior. (laughs) Exactly. You need to make up your bed. You need to clean the floor. Is the bathroom straightened? We have company I didn't over. even get to the baseboards. <laughs> so embarrassing. Now, see, that is a true, like, that's the most, I think, Latinx, I think, <laughs> thing you've ever said on this show. My mom this- would be so angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, we're, we're super excited because not only do we have someone who's near and dear to my heart, we also have someone who is created their own dancing troupe, has been a face for a Target Pride ad who is also rocking a title up in New York City with her his amazing drag. A phenomenal dancer, singer, actor. I know, is there such a thing as like, what's more than a quadruple threat? What's next after that? Quintuplet. Yes, and I knew you would know that. We have him here today. It's Jante Jarrell Culpepper, all the way from New York City in the sweltering heat, coming to interview with us Unicorn today to talk about his journey, his life, as a beautiful unicorn and performance and art and drag. And ah, I'm so excited. Welcome to the show, Jante. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. We're so happy you're here. (laughs) Me too. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. Yes, queen. Well, here I am. Excellent. Uh, So, Jante, I don't know if you're a regular listener to the show, but our first thing, walk through fire. Everyone has to do it. We love it. We hate it. All the feelings. Mm -hmm. Our question for you is, what are you? What are you? What am I? Let's see. (laughs) Well, because I am a Christian man, I am a child of God, honey. Well, something that I've always like inspired or looked up to you for is just like, even if you didn't feel like it, you always felt so confident in your skin. Jante is like this beautiful blue eyes, piercing eyes, gorgeous curly hair. And I think like for at least least for me, when people would ask me like, what are you? What's your background? What's going on? It would always annoy me. I don't, did that ever annoy you? So growing up, I mean... I got that question, I don't know, probably a dozen times, maybe an hour, not even a day. (laughs) You know, it was just, yeah, I got that question so many times. And then um, when I was younger, I didn't have this tan. Well, it's not a tan now because I'm in like winter because we're in quarantine. But um, (laughs) literally winter. 2020 (laughs) is just winter. (laughs) Just winter. But no, I was so, so pale, like so fair. And my eyes were even more blue than they were now. And I had like, like, you know, to me, because it was like white blonde, you know? Mm-hmm. So you would see me in portrait or with my family and they would like ask my mom, like, oh, Liz, are you, ba- are you babysitting someone's kid? And she was like, no, that's my son. They're like, oh, but he's white, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, no, he's not really, you know? So I had to kind of battle with that every day. Um, and I always had to like, 
explain who I was. But honestly, for me, it was a struggle figuring out who I was because I was so fair and because I looked different than my entire family because, Mm -hmm. you know, kids called me like inside out Oreo and like other nasty names. So I never was sure. And then, you know, I grew up in a like Christian Baptist church. So the entire like congregation were like dark skinned. There were only a few of us that were fair. But, you know, I like always felt like the outsider or like the black sheep of every ethnic group, if you will. Mm. But yeah, I just felt on the outside completely, even if I tried to dress a certain way or talk a certain way to try to fit in 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 that particular um, clique and or group. I was always the outsider, no matter what. Yeah, I think that that's something that a lot of us can relate to, that sense of not really belonging anywhere. Yeah. And in particular, when you're like, nobody even looks like me. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Do you feel you're on the other side of that? Now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And you know what's funny is coming up in September, it will be my nine-year mark moving to New York. Mm-hmm. Um and ever since I moved to New York, first of all, here in New York, there's so many different shades, so many different colors and walks of life. And so if you didn't feel accepted, well, you do immediately when you step foot on those like New York City streets, because there's so many different people. Mm. And being, um, aside from being like a drag queen and everything, I, you know, I'm also, I've I'm also a performer. I've done a lot of theater, like a lot of like professional theater. So going to, to audition, I don't want to say it's clicky, but you realize that there's so many different mixes of people and then never having to been accepted coming from my hometown or growing up, I came into a community, not just a theater community, but a community of people. Immediately, I like walked in the room and for instance, like all of the, the like black kids like flocked to me and they're like, what's up bro? Like, or, you know, like whatever, but they were just so accepting and they, they didn't even have a question of what I, I was. They, they just knew I was like one of them and, and it mm-hmm. was and so it made me feel welcoming without even having to say anything or ask me a question of like what my background was. So, and I find that very interesting, but I, in the same breath, I don't find it interesting because coming from a small town, everyone's so small minded. So you go to a big city and everyone has a broader range of what the world is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And then also what you've touched on, just the diversity, the composition of what's around you makes such a big difference. Yeah. Because depending on where you are, you might get asked, what are you like 20 times a day, like you said, but or you might never get <laughs> asked it because people right. are just like, oh, they're clearly some sort of mix of something. They're, yeah. They are. And I think that people will be quicker to accept that in a more diverse place. And the other thing is to add on to that was um, having been accepted. You know, what's what, what's really cool is I didn't have a lot of African-American friends growing up. And the ones I did have were like me. We were all fair. We were all we all were like preppy. You know, we like didn't hang out with anyone else that didn't accept us. Right. So when I got here to New York, now I have so many African-American friends. And it's so lovely because they mm. also have gotten me so in touch with that side of me that I was afraid to to discover Mm -hmm. more of Mm. which is nice Mm. so yes i love that i think we don't something we highlight on the show is just owning your your own identity racially regardless of what other people say and being firm but i think i love that you're bringing up the importance of that acceptance 
from the outer community to help you with your own identity. I love that of just having that friendship and having that acceptance from people who may be darker skin than you of how that helps. I think we always within a darker skin community within the black community, they're saying that there is an identity crisis, especially with those who are mixed or white passing, but never thought the inclusion of that community might actually help and aid in that gaining of that perspective of that understanding of your racial identity. I think there's still like, you got to figure it out before we can come and have a closeness instead of, hey, let's help draw you out. If you have questions, like, let's just love you and accept you that you are one of our own until you start feeling like it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. It is location, location, location. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's real location. And I think, I I don't know, I mean, you just said that this is the case with you, Jante, but I think it's also with me and perhaps with you, Damika, this weird thing that happens when you're mixed race and you don't want to like claim certain identities because you don't feel like you belong in your adolescence. And that's like the time where most people are really exploring their identity and finding out who they are. So it's almost like a a postponed adolescence Mm. and discovery of yourself because I also didn't feel comfortable like exploring certain aspects aspects of my racial identity then but I feel a lot more comfortable doing it now as an adult Mm. and it's strange to think about like here I am in my 30s like figuring out who I am you know right 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 (laughs) it's never too late I'm really glad to see you just kind of blossom and just kind of own that because that kind of affects how you view yourself and especially in the arts where unfortunately you go up for parts and there's a certain look and there's a certain identity and there's Mm -hmm. a certain thing that they want and it can be really hard if you're not confident in who you are when you go up to audition and maybe you don't get it or because there's so few spaces and opportunities for people of color how do you navigate in Mm. the world of being a performer and having a very unique look that's funny that you asked that question because when, again, when I first moved here, I had an idea of my quote unquote type that they were looking for. Mm, um, say it. And, my, and the type in my head was because I was blonde hair, blue eyed, fair, that I would probably like go to more auditions that were targeted for more Caucasian men or men that, are, that were fair skinned. But then I found myself not going to those a lot because not to be racially pointing any fingers or anything, but a lot of the the Caucasian men that go to auditions are all six foot or five eleven, perfectly coiffed, blonde hair, like they all look mm. the exact same. And I found myself being like, I can kind of fit in here, but like I don't mm. fit in here. Even though like my training, like I like as far as anyway, like ballet goes, I can I can do the exact same line. I can give you the exact same combo, but the way that that my body carries it is completely different in the mirror, Say and it, it shows. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I found myself not going to those. Then I found myself trying to go to more like African American calls. But of course, if they needed kind of the same thing but opposite race, if they needed like a six foot tall, dark like black guy, you know, and he fit he fit that that mold, right? So I was still like, oh, I don't fit this mold either. It's so weird. Or I go into, for instance, like um, I, I went into this, I think it was like for Disney Tokyo or something, like when I first moved here. And I went and they called me back for a print. So I go in, I sing, and the casting director sits there. And I was like, oh, was that okay? And she was like, yeah. She goes, you know, I really want to cast you. She goes, but 
you sound amazing, but you look like you popped out of like a Malibu Barbie box and you don't fit the mold that, that we're looking for. I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you so much for your time. So I leave. <laughs> but that being an audition that wasn't specifically a race mold, it was still a mold that I didn't fit in because I looked a certain way and didn't sound a certain. So it was like, okay, like where do I sit in in this industry? So I started just doing me. I started going to mm-hmm. anything that, that appealed to me. And I was like, you know what? You're going to cast me because of my voice and because of my talent, not because of the way that I look. And if, and if that look is what your show wants and or needs, and you're casting, but I'm not going to be heartbroken because I don't fit the six foot two blonde, blue eyed, or dark skinned, whatever. So mm. I was kind of going to what appealed to me. And then if and when I got cast, praise be to God. And that's it. Mm. You know? That, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think there are so many actors, actresses that are just out there, performers, dancers, artists who are feeling that. It's hitting them deep. I think it I mean, it, it hits me. I mean, that's why I got out of theater. There just wasn't. I'm 5'3 on a good day. <laughs> I'm voluptuous. Right. I'm, I, you know, I sound different. And I, I, I feel that in my essence. You know, Danny's in theater as well. And just like that double rejection mm. is real deep. That is, yeah. is, is something that once again, I think only if you're in that mixed realm do you really understand what it's like to literally have that on either side where where do I go with this of who I am because I can't change it this is like you said that package this is the yeah. package I came in like yep. I, yeah, I, I can't I can't do that yeah, it's a weird, Ooh. a weird industry because it's like you do you go to an audition room and it's like everyone looks the same and if you don't look like everyone else, you're like, oh, I'm in the wrong room. I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's layers upon layers of, of stress and another type of like wanting to, to fit in or, you know, you don't want to stick out too much, but you have to stick out enough that they remember you. And it's like, right. Yeah. Mm, so with this trying to figure out what where you fit in. And only going out for things that interest you and you desire. Does this have something to do with kind of the uprising with Victoria Williams? If you want to touch on that a little bit. And sure. That kind of the birthing process of Miss Miss Williams. Yes. I am not new to drag as some people have thought when I came into the New York City scene. These girls were not happy. And I was like, sis, I've been a drag queen longer than you've been breathing. Okay. So step back. <laughs> but, um, okay. But no, so, I, so I've been a drag queen since two, 2009 and I just, uh, and I came into the New York City scene recently as of almost two years now, I think. And so I was very happy that Victoria came back into my life because for one, she was she was a part of me that was definitely missing. And when Victoria started coming out to play again, I found a lot more of my of my confidence mm. that I was lacking. And I found a lot more of, I don't want to say like an I don't care attitude, but it was more of like, you're either going to take me as I am or you're going to, or you're, you're going to go the other way because I don't have time for the in between. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that also has helped my, my confidence when I go to an audition because I just feel so much more confident in my body. Cause Victoria, she's, I mean, she's so sassy. And I mean, I, I, John can be sassy too, but she's just like, she's a sassy thing. Like, I don't even know who she is. You know what I mean? She's a whole different breed. <laughs> she's a different breed. <laughs> Um, you know, but so I think that that definitely helps me for sure. That is so, it's so, so exciting. It's really competitive in New York City. 
the drag scene or the audition scene or both the really, drag scene. Uh, yes yes both. and yes <laughs> yes and yes yeah mm. you said that you've been doing drag longer than you've been in new york city so what kind of drew you into the drag world like you talk about this liberation of of this character who's already inside of you is that kind of what drew you in or was there something else so my wonderful boyfriend when he and i met you know i i uh told him everything backstory current story and so he kept kind of asking me like hey like i would love to see her perform like are you ever going to do drag again and i was like oh i don't know it's like really expensive and i mean at the time i was really i mean i was really really struggling to just live you know so drag in itself is a whole the whole like apartment in new york you know what i mean it's so expensive Mm -hmm. um and so i was like i I just don't have the funds for all the things or whatever so i remember that you know, he was like, I want to help you succeed. And, he, and he's so wonderful. He's been nothing but supportive in every endeavor of my life. And, um, but he was like, I just want to help you like see it. And I like see a great future for, for you here, like in the city with her. And I want to help you. So he, you know, so he helps me purchases and a, a bunch of different things to help me get back into drag. And so he just kept pushing me to do it. And I was like, all right. So I kept, and then I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like, you don't need to make that. Anything I do, I do it full force. I don't do it 50%. I'm like, I do it 420%. I'm like, all right. So if I'm coming back into this, I'm going to come back into it strong. And I'm not playing around. So um, I started kind of like just looking up on my Instagram, you know, what New York City queens were like the top queens to maybe get a hold of. And then I, and then just boldly, I was like, you know what? They, they can either not message me back or message me and say, like, I'm not interested in, you know, talking to you. But I messaged a couple of them and I was like, hey, you know, I like, have look, I like saw your Instagram and I love your stuff. I'm coming back into drag. I'm super honest. And I don't know if you have any availability in gigs, but I would love the opportunity to perform at a gig if you have any openings. I got a couple of really great girls, one of which were on uh, season 12 of Drag Race. Britta. She was like, hey, sis, oh my God, yes, please. Actually, I have a spot open Saturday at, at Boxers. Can you come Saturday and perform? I said, absolutely. And so she was so welcoming. She had me perform in her show. She was hosting All Stars and she was just so wonderful. And then another good, good, good Judy of mine, Nicole Noscopy, she's another good gal who I messaged her and she took me like in and, and gave me some gigs. And then she actually was like, hey, you know what? Actually, I want you to enter this contest at the bar that I'm currently the reigning queen at. You should enter. I was like, okay. So it's so it's Miss Rock Bar. And I entered and I won. And that was my first reigning title here in the city. So I'm Miss Rock Bar 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that's, such a that's lovely a short size. story. There's like so much more, but you oh, know. Oh, I know. Because you started <laughs> in the House of Williams in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So you're like a, in yeah. like a transplant queen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and just to like, just to shoot some names in case anyone doesn't know, my younger Jack sister is Calorie Kardashian from season 10. Mm-hmm. She Love went out her. there. Love her. She, she went out there and showed what we are made out of here in Albuquerque. And it's thickness. It's a lot of thickness. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's right. It's realness and thickness. No thickening. I love her. <laughs> That's, That's right. amazing. Yeah, what I really love about your story, too, is just your, like, willingness and your vulnerability of, like, just reaching out, recognizing, like, what is the worst that can happen? They won't respond or they'll say no. And that's, I think, something that everyone can take away for, like, 
any endeavor. We edit ourselves and hold ourselves back because we're like scared. And then when you take a moment to think about it, it's like, wait, what am I scared of? What is the worst that could happen here? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something I've always admired about Jante. He's completely right. Whenever he does something, it's 400%. Like, you're like, if they reject me, they reject me. They don't reject me. They re- I'm just not fitting what they want. But I know what I want. And I know what I have. And so that's something I've always been a massive, massive fan. Like, you have amazing, crazy drive, crazy, hardworking. And I love seeing just that kind of flourish and grow and New York just just doesn't know what they have with that within this community. And you're talking about that, that tight knit of like looking after each other and supporting each other, giving gigs. Have you with these worlds kind of collide? Have you ever felt or seen like racism or colorism? How does that fit into the world of drag and the world of the LGBTQIA? Like how do those things process? I think that's a conversation a lot of people are having and, I just kind of want to have like your take on that. So getting to the the audition world, if you will, when I entered the room there, it, it wasn't very clicky, but you can tell that, you know, these kids hang out or the uh, this like group of kids hang out, like, you know, so clicky in a way, like they stay with their, with their tribe. Okay. But not in a bad way. Like no one is, I, I haven't seen any direct racism, but you can just tell like they kind of stay in their own little group. And as far as the community, the queer community goes, I don't think, I mean, I haven't seen any direct racism, but I mean, before, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement happened and everything started kind of un- unveiling truths and hatred. I did notice just from an outside perspective that queens of color in general that haven't gotten booked at particular venues and that may just be because you know they don't have an in or whatever but i you know i I would realize oh there's not a lot of queens of color at this venue or i'm or i i was like the only quote-unquote queen of color that i've noticed that was performing more often that than not at that venue i know now after everything is sewn back together there's going to be a different vibe a different crowd or in venues in general and there's going to be so much more more colorful not just because of the rainbow but because of the color of our skin Mm. i hope so i hope so (laughs) yeah because i i just seen i just seen some queens that are that are super talented but i don't they're either like working on the opposite side of town or you know i mean but again they may not have had an in with some people so i can't say who's said what or hasn't booked or whatever but it was just an outside perspective that i did notice when you're in drag show and this is something i've actually have always really wondered the tension between straight women within the drag community because mm. i feel like there's this it's become so mainstream isn't it like drag has been is old it has been around for a, a long long time it's this beautiful gorgeous ages. art form yeah. ages and oh, yeah. RuPaul came on the scene with the show and made it so mainstream, so part of our culture. Yeah. I mean, we have slang, style, clothes. It is just be, you know, they're mid in the Midwest and Wisconsin, you've got Luann being like, yes, queen. Like, it's just become that mainstream. <laughs> yes, Luann. Do you know? Yeah. So, but do you personally feel that there's an appropriation of drag culture without an appreciation of the drag of the drag queen of the person you know people want to use the slang they want to watch the show mm. but maybe not necessarily support the, the community as well i i don't know once again mm. i don't feel like i can speak on it but i see and i as a straight woman i feel like there's just like we want to absorb 
all the culture and claim it and use it. But I don't, I feel like there's a disconnect, but I don't know. I just want to get your, your take on that. Drag to me is not only being able to entertain, but it's also being able to be a voice for those that cannot speak. So with that said, I think it's the same thing with, with indigenous, with biracial, with black culture, Hispanic culture, whatever. I think it's before you can jump into anything and not just even being culture, any sort of knowledge, you have to do your homework and research and you have to understand the meaning and the understanding behind what you are supporting, right? Mm. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, it's, you know, drag is fun and it's great, but having to understand, like for me, like I am not here to put on a show, which I mean, I will put on a show. I want to be a voice for you. And I want to, if, if you're afraid or you feel insecure or scared or lonely, like I want to put a smile on your face, happiness in your heart and understanding in your mind. And that's it. Yeah, that also kind of holds up a mirror to where we are in society with like this mm-hmm. becoming more mainstream and just kind of, I feel like we're on a precipice of people actually doing homework about things before they, they consume them. We're like not yeah. quite there, but we're like Knowledge on the edge. Yeah. So I like that, that idea. And I hope people start to actually follow through with learning the history of things before they consume them. It's one of those things Danny and I talk about with within race and ethnicity. We we people can tend to say like I oh I want corn rolls now or I want a certain style or a look and it's just taking things from culture that they want without actually caring for the people. What yeah. I am seeing is that we we want to have drag racing themed parties and now bachelorettes all want to go to a drag bar and they want to go but there's the, like reading articles about the dehumanization of the drag queen like they want to grab they don't want to tip they want to uh, take over these really safe Listen, spaces let's for take a moment, girl. <laughs> <laughs> if you're yes. listening to this tip mm. a drag queen henny listen <laughs> well these booking fees are cute but the, the but the money is in the tipping i have not put on a full face i have not corseted i have not thrown i have not tucked homeboy underneath for you to give me one dollar for four hours honey listen you got a 20 sitting on that table i'm gonna snatch it up if you don't have it to me okay that's it well well, thank you i kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit about what they're paying performers can you kind of go into that a little bit if so i don't want to get you like blacklisted but i'm just saying if you need to listen you know what if if putting people on the spot is going to get me blacklisted then let's do it because people deserve to know no you know what it's not even the, the best thing I can say is pay performers what they are worth. You will not give me, I'm sorry. So speaking from a, uh, a theater perspective, do not offer me $200 a week on a contract for six weeks. Okay. To perform and rehearse for 10, like 10 hours. Honey, do you support your family on $200 a week? Do you like, no, 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 no. Mm. That's not going to work for me. And I understand that there is there is hard work and you have to become EMC and equity. But you know what? That doesn't make non-equity people that less of a performer because they haven't gotten their equity status. They are just as hardworking as an equity performer and they deserve to be paid more. And you have the money, so pay them. Okay? That's why I'm being real. And I don't care if people don't like me because I'm saying this. You're going to hear me. Pay <laughs> your performers. And as far as drag queens go, like, the same thing. Listen, sis, 
the same thing. I am not getting all dolled up like just for a measly $50 for two hours for a booking fee. I don't care that I haven't been on Drag Race or that I'm not a name yet because I am becoming a household name, but you will perform me because I am worth the money, honey. So you have the money behind that bar, reach in your tip bucket and you tip me and mine. Cause you can, at the end of the day, you can pull that back on the, on like a Saturday or a Friday. So mm. it's just pay your performers and drag queens what they're worth. That's all I'm saying. Mm. It's, I mean, I think it also is cultural and like, mm. it's this really weird thing where like everyone, like literally everyone in our culture, in society consumes so much entertainment, but mm. like aren't willing to pay anything for it. Right. <laughs> like we think right. we're entitled to it. And so it's like totally devaluing the artist and the artistry that goes into producing these things. Right. I mean, imagine Listen, imagine if people were so isolated and feeling depressed and like they don't have anything to entertain them now. Imagine if all the drag queens and yes. or theater performers said, you know what, we're done performing. Well, I guess the only thing you have left is maybe maybe Netflix. Other than that, you can't go to theater. <laughs> you can't go to drag shows because we have we have put our foot down and said, you will pay us what we are worth. But girl, where does Netflix come from? Like, what also, is the foundation? Like- what's the foundation? exactly well that's what i'm hoping like we talk about on the other side we keep saying what's on the other side of covid and sometimes i feel like it's just more covid um (laughs) 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 what's on the other side i'm just like oh more covid Uh, (laughs) but what i'm hoping because there was for a while there was this blackout kind of period where there wasn't theater where there wasn't directions when people were kind of holding their breath and that what i love about artists is that what do they do they're creative and so there's been so much creativity there has been so much mm-hmm. art and performances happening online that what i am hoping for is that we're seeing one creative types are worth that because they are new wave thinkers aren't they they're adaptable mm-hmm. they are skilled people they are essential yeah. and also because we have not been able to go out and do that we will realize how much we do need that and how much we do mm-hmm. miss it and and see mm-hmm. the value and the weight of the arts across mm-hmm. the board no no matter what across kind of board. performer you are nope like it's so oh i'm i'm my hope is with that my hope is that for you and for all of those who say that we are artists and performers that people will start seeing your value in this place in this earth so Absolutely. here's here's hoping but I know you've been very creative with this this downtime, Mr. Jante. I have. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> but what have you been up to? Tell us, what, what are you up to? Let me spill the tea. Everything. <laughs> Everything. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, for starters, I, you mentioned this as Miss Williams, but I have, uh, as an actor, I'm, I have a manager and an agent. And so my management company, which is MMG, shout out to you, and my agency is Ellis Callen. Shout out to you. But but they uh, they helped get me a national target campaign for Pride. And so that was super exciting. I've never booked a commercial in my entire life without drag, like just as Jante. I've never booked, you know. So that was such a blessing. And I was so thankful that quarantine brought that out. And they, I mean, my agency and my management are, are so wonderful. And they are working for me. But uh, other than that, I also, for drag, I, I've been doing so many lives like live shows when the Black Lives Matter thing happened, like Bob, the drag queen and Peppermint, they put together with uh, many other queens and many, and like Glad, they put together the Black Queer Town Hall. It was like a three-day show and like interviews and different things with Black queer artists. And so I got to perform on that 
platform with with so many wonderful artists from like San Francisco and LA like and I have a a weekly show I do Tea Time Tuesdays on my Instagram live just a cute little like girl Tea Time talk and I get to bring you on so I can see you face to face request to go live with me with different themes each week and I answer questions that I put on my stories the day before I am about to open up a shop for Miss Williams on Etsy. Uh, the last big thing that I have been working on, just as Jante, I signed to a record label here in New York City called Hollow Spirits, when I'm the newest recording artist on their label and about to record and drop my first single. Yay! Salah! Yeah. A lot, a lot. Uh. So many wonderful things. Uh, well, you're also, you're a, a humanitarian as well, because you, how many years in a row have you been participating in Broadway Bears as well? This is my fourth year. And for anyone that doesn't know, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS is a organization that helps anyone, man, woman, child living with HIV and AIDS, helping them provide meds and anything affiliated with that, that they are unable to do for themselves. And this year is especially great because COVID and the pandemic, they have teamed up with some other people that are helping anyone that has had trouble with getting the proper care for COVID or paying their bills or keeping lights on or or food in their house for their family or any financial means. Like they are just helping so many people. So there are so many dancers for the show Broadway Bears that happens every summer in June. This, This year didn't happen because of the pandemic. So we did it an online show um, where they pulled different pieces from different years of the show. So there's so many dancers. There's at least like 200 to 400 dancers in every show. And every dancer sets a goal for themselves to help raise amount of money to add to the uh, to Broadway Cares. And I think last year we raised over, uh, what was it? I think 12 million. I could be wrong with the number, but we, we it raises so much money. So this year I set a goal for myself for $1,000 because I know times are a little bit more tough this year. And um, I'm halfway there. So anyone that wants to donate can gladly go to my personal Instagram page. And there's a link below to donate and help others look fortunate than yourself. Mm-hmm. And we'll make sure to put your tea times, your, your label, all, all your humanitarian work. Like, well, I don't know. We can put the YouTube clip to your commercial as well so they can see your face and put that all in our yeah. show notes. So that way, if people want to go lightly stalk you, they have please, all the resources. Stalk heavily. <laughs> stalk me heavily. That's what it's there for, to stalk me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. He's a big fan of stalking. Just, you know, <laughs> I won't I won't tell your man. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> That's fierce. That's the performer in you, right? Like a little bit like a little, a little bit narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's very natural. <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome. I uh I'm so stoked for all your projects. Uh, I mean, I don't even know how when when yeah. you sleep, but I mean <laughs> I don't. You always seem to keep busy. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Do you have any questions for Danny and I? I want to know a little something personal about you. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if I, for same question for each of you, if I were to drop you guys off on a deserted island, what three things would you bring with you and why? Mm. <gasps> oh, Danny first. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> oh, don't want to hear it. <laughs> So do they have to be objects or can they be living things? It can be either or, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, the first is clearly my husband. Like, I need him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a farmer. He's going to figure out how to sustain us. Like, yeah. and, just, yeah. and just I need him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first thing. Oh, man, this is a hard question. But, it, but also, like, shouldn't be that hard because right now we're kind of living in our own little deserted <laughs> islands, right? Also, With the pandemic. Right. Right. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, how do I condense a million books into one thing? <laughs> I mean, I would need I would need some sort of book collection. So maybe there's like okay. some some monster book that I could bring. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the third thing would be, I guess we should be a little pragmatic and and say like you know some sort of fire source or something, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. Like that's that's a thing we need. Uh-huh. All right, those are my three things. Yeah. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm very okay. sad to give up know. a lot of things like tea, <laughs> like my cats, like oh. all these other things, but only three. Sorry, oh <laughs> Tamika, oh my. your turn. Uh, okay, I would also take Danny's husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh husband my doesn't. My husband doesn't farm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Boo! I would take. <laughs> I re- I refuse to separate my husband and my daughter, so they're I'm gonna cheat. I, I, I so they're conglomerate. I know I know okay. it's cheating. So I'm gonna of course have my, me familia. There's a book that we have in our house, and I would want it. It's called How to Survive in the Woods. It's a very okay. old yeah. So it's like it's Good a thinking. book. It's a book, and it teaches how to survive too. So it's just like what plants to eat, what plants not to eat, which is more important. So I think I would definitely mm. want that, and. I, I should say Bible, but you can't eat a Bible, and I love the Bible, but I also can't. I would I don't want to use the pages for kindling because that that'd be awkward. Um, yeah, it just seems uh, like you're you're it. tempting fate by like taking that. Yeah. Like, you don't want to <laughs> fall into <Yeah>. that. <laughs> like after I read my my monster book, I can definitely rip that up. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Let's see. I would. Let's see. Husband, child. Book to survival. I, you know what? I'm gonna be sending like pictures of when we were not mm-hmm. stuck on a desert island Aww. because, pic- okay. yeah, I think pictures have been helping me in our desert islands remember that, like the beast's mirror, like show me the world, and so I can actually look out yeah. and remember a time where mm. I was not in my four walls, and so we can live in that fantasy. So, yeah. I can I that. can I change my last one? <laughs> No, you can't change it. You can't change it. You're stuck. (laughs) I was just like, I was just thinking while you were talking, Damika, because you're wearing your glasses today, I should bring a spare pair of glasses. Like, if I'm stuck with just like, and my glasses break, I don't want to be like any Twilight Zone (laughs) shit where like, I can't see, I I can't read. <laughs> Need the oh my spare goodness, glasses. I didn't even think about that. You're gonna have to right, find some sea glass. Now. <laughs> I know. Have to find some sea glass. You're gonna have to polish that shit. You're gonna have oh to like try God. to figure that. I don't. I don't have that knowledge. I don't know how to make. Why glasses. you bring the survival book? <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my goodness. All right, what shut? Jante, what would you bring? Because yeah, now you have to answer. You gotta it. tell us now too. I would definitely bring a knife so I can hunt. I would bring a rope so I can make shelter. And I would bring an endless supply of batteries with a radio so I can listen to music because that's my soul and heart. Mm. 
So is our island the same one and we're just like on different corners? Is that what's happening? Because this island is already popping. Like, I mean, maybe. this island is like the cute, like, like the next New York. Let's be honest. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> We've got glasses, a monster book, a radio with music. Okay. Like Gilligan's Island just and you got have a drag real queen t- with music. So like you got entertainment. Hello, come on. Exactly. I can cook. Like, Danny's gonna keep us on point. She's gonna keep us still keeping our brains sharp. Wait, wait. I feel bad now because I didn't include my boyfriend, so I would bring him too. I wouldn't. <laughs> I would, I would, so I would bring him. I just think I, I figured he would be like with me. You know what I mean? I didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, there. I didn't think knife because, like, presumably Ian has a knife in his pocket, like he always does. There you go. <laughs> yeah, white boys always pack knives. It's a what is that? I don't know. <laughs> well, 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 since we're already in such a great laughing mood, should we move into our happy place? Let's do it. As the guest, you can choose if you would like to go first or if you would like us to go before you. Uh, You can go before me. All right. Tamika, what's your happy place? And this is why I have no pity because I always go... (laughs) I so we have not been to Cambridge in like over six months because of life, right? So there is a mask mandate where you travel everywhere. So we got our mask and we said we're gonna go to Cambridge, walk around, maybe just get lunch and just try to live some life, right? We're gonna be safe, wash our hands, have sanitizer, whatever. We went, had lovely lunch, and it felt so good because we love Cambridge to walk around. And we went by this thrift store on our way to one of our other favorite bookstores, and in the window. It said big sale, like 30, 40% off 90s vintage. Yeah. And my husband's face went even paler. He was just like, oh, I don't like (laughs) that. He was not having it. And I couldn't help. I was just smiling from ear to ear that I officially, like the things I might have worn as a child have now become vintage. And I knew it was going to happen. Like there was a t-shirt from Space Jam in there it was yeah it was very it was very eye-opening it was very very upsetting there was like some kind of like rugrats tea there was some acid wash it was just really upsetting and also really cool and i don't know why it just made me happy of just like having that moment of a i'm like alive and i'm growing old with this this man of mine and it was just one of those things of like Ah, the times, kids these days. It was, I don't know why. It would just put me in like the best mood. And then I thought, what 90s outfits can I pull together? Because I was there. <laughs> More, right. st- Yeah, still young for the 90s. I'm like early 2000s chokers and roll on like glitter and baggy pants, but tank top kind of style. But I'm, you know, it's a good homage to and I still get it. But I don't know. It just made me really happy. Vintage 90s yeah. fashion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> maybe all right. All right, Danny. Can you top vintage nineties fashion? My my happy place this week is gonna have to be llamas. Um, just in general. <laughs> I'm just go with llamas. Uh, I have I have several friends or several people I know who keep llamas. Uh and my husband was at one of our friends' houses and sent me a picture of their llama and it just like 
made my day. I'm I'm all about that llama. They're so cute. Oh, They're so funny. Jack the ridiculous. There's I guess it's a Aymara legend, like <laughs> mythology. For getting like South American over here, mm-hmm. indigenous people of the Andes. There's like a heavenly llama right within the heavens, yes. and literally rain is that llama's pee. <laughs> like, <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it just like, so freaking live. Live. Lama so that's my pee. happy place. So when I told Lama you, it was like rain. really Lama pee rain. So really when I told stormy. You, that's really I think stormy. what brought this up for me is I was like <laughs> thinking about your storm and thinking about <laughs> Lama pee. And, and now it's funny. forever ruined for me, and I couldn't love you more. You're I, welcome. Oh my goodness, I'm so sad that I didn't know this about you because there's a place about 40 minutes up here where you can have a tea party and pet llamas, like have a proper <gasps> English tea, and then go and walk with llamas the lam- with llamas. And so I love it. Love that. Yeah, that's where I live. So <laughs> I'm here for it. Here for All it. Right. All right. What is your happy place, Mr. Jante? This week, my happy place is um, honestly sitting on the couch. And if you haven't seen it, but maybe I'm like late to the game, but um, Raven's Home, like that's a Raven, <laughs> but like the new one, like yeah! it is so, it, like every, every time I just want a good laugh and like she is just, I mean, it's her show, so she makes it and like the kids are new and like they're all cute and Chelsea's there, but. Raven is just such a mess, and she cracks me <laughs> up. Like, especially like you know, like the parts where like she like falls, like she falls through like a roof, and she just keeps falling, and like she's like 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 this doll that is like falling through <laughs> an entire building. And she gets up, and she's like, "Oh, snap!" Like I don't know, it's just so funny. So that's my happy place is Raven's home. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even oh, know so that there was there's a three, new. There's three seasons. I'm on the second. Watch it. It's on Disney Plus. <laughs> Jamika has so many feelings about Disney Plus. You don't even know. You oh don't even God. know because my happy place was almost Pixar shorts, like the little shorts of them, because they oh, give me so all cute. the dang feels, and I'm just like, I shouldn't want to. I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel right now. But tag on it, this is so cute. I can't. And I my daughter, know. and I sit there and talk about like the symbolism. I'm like the pink ball of yarn is actually women in the workplace and Mariah's like yeah and she shouldn't Stop have it. to become like the exactly. other guys to fit in and she was just like she's just like oh it, what's what it represents I'm like yes baby girl <laughs> oh my gosh you said a baby girl you tell them <laughs> oh my god so good well thanks thanks for sharing your life and your thoughts and your feelings and your happy place with us Jante of course Thank you. Aww. And thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate this. This was so lovely. And it was, Danny, it was just so wonderful to like, get to know you. I feel so connected to you already. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And like, oh, and then guys, I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. It's for my single to drop. So like, just keep them in your for that, okay? It's going to be yes. so dope. What's the timeline looking like for that? Do yeah. You know? um, so I'm, I'm actually getting in the studio uh, in the next couple of weeks and the songwriter is working on this song right now. Um, and it's going to be, cause I'm like, they're like, they're dance pop artists. So it's going to be almost a little like, Patrick Holly, Lady Gaga, like dancing. Yes. Yeah. It's gonna be dope. So get ready, y'all. 
Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Be sure to let us know. We're we're totally happy to shout it out when it drops. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. totally. Yes, yes, yes. Please don't let this be the last time you come on the show. I'm so glad that two of my worlds kind of collide and got to meet and we got to chit chat about some of my favorite things. So <laughs> I would love to be back. Well, have me anytime. I would love to be here. Thank you. So our company is gone. We closed the door. We were cleaning up the dishes. We're cleaning up the mess. And we're reflecting on what a good time it was having company over. I know. It's always like you're a little tired, mm. a little relieved, a little sad. Yeah. All the feelings. It's yeah. a lot of feelings when company leaves. And you're like, you're kind of like on the buzz of having company. But like you said, you're also kind of like, whew. But I don't know. It's worth it. We l- always love guests. And if you want to come talk to us i don't know you should get a hold of us and yeah if only there was a way to do that Ooh, danny is there a way to do that <laughs> there is it turns out you can email us biracialunicorns at gmail.com you hmm. can also connect with us on the social medias we are on instagram and facebook at biracial unicorns and we hmm. are on the twitter machine at biracial magic Awesome. And you know, if you still want to be a little bit more like us, you know, you can also follow Deli Pop Art, who did our very iconic unicorn photos. Please follow her. She's absolutely amazing. Also, hats off to Joseph Scott, who's done our amazing intro and outro music. And if you still are like, oh, I want to be in the company of unicorns, you can also write about it when you give us a review. You could subscribe to our awesome podcast so that way you're on the cutting edge and need to know. And also, We'd be really appreciative. It's like a potluck. Everyone brings a little bit. We all appreciate it. If you could (laughs) write us a review, that would help us and also know which direction to go, what topics we should be talking about. And yeah, we want it to be driven together. So we'd love to hear that. Yes, it's helpful. It's great. We do this podcast for ourselves, but we also do it for you. So Mm -hmm. let us know. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, friends, we will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with a full episode. Our 50th episode, in fact. 50th <gasps> full episode. Uh, oh so goodness. that's pretty exciting. We're hitting, we're getting close to that two-year mark. Oh. So I have a little bit of time to figure out what kind of anniversary it is. I know year one is a is paper. Yeah. But I, I don't remember what year two is. Oh, gosh. So. You know what? It, I think it's cotton. Cotton. Let's, let's skip Ooh. cotton. Ooh. <laughs> I have a That's story. That's a little tone yeah. deaf for this, yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Not into it. Let's, re- let's reclaim the cotton. <laughs> I'm a linen girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let us know what you think year two should be for our anniversary gifts. Mm-hmm. All right. Peace. Out.